Hello and welcome. You are listening to the Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And my name is Goose. My name is Gabby. Hey! And today we're talking about what happens when interest rates rise, which is a pretty mm. interesting conversation. Um, what did you think of today's episode, Gabby? Lots of gold. Lots of gold. Um, lots of ways to think about interest rates that I hadn't really thought about. There's, there's like correlations or causations with property prices, which is not really what you would expect, which is really interesting. Mm. Um, the effect on rents and everything, what happens when interest rates go up, like what is the effect on rents in that situation? Yeah, I think it was a lot of, lot of interesting takeaways. Yeah, I think the whole, I think it's going to be a very counterintuitive and challenging episode for a lot of people. And mm. the reason is because everything we talk about in today's episode is based on facts not opinion, but the facts fly in the face of popular opinion. So I think that I think that for anyone who's ever thought about what happens when interest rates rise, how does it affect house prices? How does it affect rents? How does it affect affordability? Uh, all of this kind of stuff. I think there's going to probably be some eye-opening stuff um, that we talk about in this episode, and I'm excited for for people to grow and to become more aware and more empowered as investors. That's the goal of this podcast, um, and I, I'm confident this episode is going to serve that goal. So, cool, cool. Well, let's get cool. stuck into it, guys. And it, of course, if you remember that, if you like this and you think it's good, and you think somebody else is maybe having a little panic attack about potentially interest rates rising in the future, send them this episode. Uh, to mm-hmm. tell them, say hello from Goose and Gabby and send <laughs> them the episode. Hello. And, um, but yeah, make sure you like, rate, review, share, do all the good stuff and tell your family, tell your friends, tell your loved ones and help get this message out to other people. And of course, give us feedback. And if you have any suggestions of episodes that you would like us to record or topics you would like us to cover, make sure you send them through to hello at dash.com.au. But without any further ado, let's get stuck into it and we'll see you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. Gabby, how are you today? Wonderful. How are you? I'm wonderful. I'm fantastic, actually. Wonderful. wonderful. What's, what's going on? Just hanging out in the wardrobe again. In the wardrobe. Gabby's <laughs> in the back wardrobe. in the wardrobe. Yes. Basically. How is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> look, it's it's nice. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to think we're like Harry Potter over here and you're living under the stairs or something like that. Maybe I am. Maybe that's the twist. (laughs) (laughs) That's the Investor Lab plot twist. Plot (laughs) twist. Gabby's a wizard. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. (laughs) What are we talking about today, Goose? We're talking about interest rates and more specifically... Because I think interest rates is a bit of a shit topic, right? Just like just interest, <laughs> just interest rates, right? Actually, really what sold I, it. You sold it. No, 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 no. But we're not just talking about interest rates. We're talking about <laughs> what happens when interest rates rise, which is a really interesting thing. Mm-hmm. And I think this is um off. This is a good uh, sequel to our last episode, which was about inflation and what happens in inflation and what causes it and all of that kind of stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this is a really good addendum to that episode. Um, and something that every investor should be should be thinking about. So, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Gabby, how do you feel about Sweet. that? How do you feel yeah. about this? Great. Where do we start? Um, that's a good question. <laughs> that is a good question. Um, 
Well, we've got a few notes here. Where did you want to start? You wanted to start with like, why do we even charge get get charged? I I want to I want to start with like, what happens to rents? What happens to property prices? But should we like take a little step back? <laughs> should take a little step back. Okay, um, where do you want to start? I want to start with like <laughs> just do a few minutes on interest rates, why they exist, why do we get charged interest, how to like banks figure out what interest to charge Did you just us. say do a few minutes on this like as in like you're telling me like I'm some dancing monkey? Can you just do mm, a few do a maybe. few minutes on <laughs> do <laughs> a few minutes on this? <laughs> please. Please monkey, okay. please. Now, now taking requests. Um well, we want to let's get let's, hey, let's get a look. Yeah. Hey goose. Why do we get charged interest? Cuz that's how banks make money. Okay, next question. <laughs> what affects the rate that we're offered? So yeah, yeah, yeah. So 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 just just to just to expand on that, I mean, just like I, I mean, I think it's obvious, yes. but just in case it's not, um, just in case people don't understand it, banks make money when they when they lend money, right? And and they make their spread on interest rates. Like that's what that's what they charge. That's how they make their money. So just in the same way that um, you know. Um, a tire, like a car tire wholesaler, or a car tire, you know, bloody retailer or whatever, will buy a tire for whatever, hundred bucks, and they'll sell it for hundred and fifty. That's their, that's the spread. They make the spread, and banks do the same thing with interest rates. Um, so interestingly, they don't actually really make any money when they when with your savings and stuff. They don't, right? So, but. In order for them to be able to lend more money, they need to have a stronger balance sheet, right? Mm-hmm. So the way that they get a stronger balance sheet is they is they take more deposits. And by taking more deposits, they build up their cash reserves and then they're allowed to lend on a percentage basis of how much cash reserves they've got at any given point in time. So the only function, the only, the only reason that banks take deposits and the only reason you can put your savings in a bank is so that they can create, they can give out more debt. That's the only function. So banks, banks are a purely a they're, a, they're a debt facility and everything else that surrounds it is just some other mechanism to give them a better capacity to be able to sell more debt at, at an advantageous price. Sweet. That makes sense. Yep. Cool. Next question. So- <laughs> Look, I know you want to get into the meaty stuff, but I just want to touch on. So, like, I'll talk about whatever you want. I'm like putty in your hands. <laughs> when you apply for a loan or a mortgage, you get basically offered a rate from whichever lender you're going with based on a whole kind of range of things. And I just kind of wanted to touch on like some of the aspects of what may affect your interest rate that you get offered when mm. you're applying for a loan. So, um, very high level and it changes all the time, right? Depending on a lot of different factors. But if there's a fixed or variable option for people, generally speaking, a fixed rate is going to be slightly lower than a variable rate because the lenders usually like to think of locking you into a contract like at a fixed amount is a preference to a variable rate where it chops and changes. Um, and then uh, if you're going to buy a PPR, so your home or an investment property, generally speaking, PPR rates are slightly lower than int- uh, investment. Can, can, I, just, can I just jump in there? Because the, the yes. reason that fixed rates are typically lower than variable rates is because they're harder to refinance out of. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So the reason the reason that um, fixed rates are typically lower than variable rates is because you've got less options. So what they'll what they'll do is they'll say, "Hey, we'll give you the loan for cheaper, but we'll force you to stay." And then mm-hmm. if you want to break the fixed period, they have what's called a break fee, right? So they'll typically charge you the difference that they would have made if it was a variable rate home loan. They'll mm-hmm. charge you that difference and make it up anyway. So what they're trying to do is they're trying to create stickiness, right? They're trying to and and and. Just to talk to that again as well, because debt is another asset that they have, right? So the, the the stickier the debt, the more fixed amount of debt that a bank has, the more uh, value that that bank has, right? So the mm-hmm. idea is they want to create as much stickiness, they want to make it as hard to leave as possible. So in a bit in a in a, in a it's much more optimal for them to have people stuck or fixed into loans for a longer period of time. Yeah, for sure. And so with the, with the stickiness, it's kind of like the opposite of the stickiness. Like the less sticky you seem to be to the mm. lender usually results in a higher interest rate is what they're offering you. Yep. So that comes down to like what we were just saying, fixed or variable. Mm. Um, the same thing with PPR, so your home or an investment property. Um, generally, you're going to be stickier if you are buying a home than an investment property because an investment property you may end up refinancing in a few years versus a home you may be more likely to stick with that lender, right? Totally. Um, yep. And the same thing with interest only or principal and interest uh, loans as well. So they can affect your rate. So generally, um, a principal and interest rate is actually going to be slightly lower because you're deemed as more sticky than an and and then a interest only loan. Also I say would say it comes down to risk profile as well, right? Totally, yep. Yep. Because in a in an interest only on an interest only loan, you, what you're saying is I'm going to keep all of the profits in cash and I'll I'll hang on to them, thanks. On a principal and interest loan, you're saying I'm going to put some of my profits straight back into the bank. So the bank's going, well, what I'm going to do is I'm going to be shoring up my balance sheet faster. So then they're going to be able to lend more on the deposits they hold within the bank, right? So it's better for them, it's low risk, and, and they have more benefit because then they can relend on the capital that they have on the balance sheet, right? So they have less liabilities and more assets, and which is why which is why the interest rate's different. Yeah, 100%. And so the all, all of these factors are layered with, yeah, the level of stickiness that the bank thinks that you are going to provide to them as an mm. asset. Um, and yeah, you're the how risky they deem you to be in terms of sticking around and meeting your repayments so that they're not coming up short when you miss a repayment, basically. Totally. So the, and the better cause... that your situation and your history looks to a bank, and we all intuitively know this, but mm. um, the better that your situation and history looks to a lender, the less risk you appear to be, so the better your offer will be generally speaking mm-hmm. yeah 100 percent. because i think another thing on that is like around the risk profile thing is that you can if you uh, don't have you know maybe you're a business owner or whatever and you know for a variety of reasons you might be able to get a low doc loan and a low doc loan is typically a loan where they accept less of the verifying documentation to prove that you're able to repay the loan and so they take a higher risk and therefore they charge a risk fee basically and also increase mm-hmm. interest rate so you know that extends all the way to getting you know quite high risk loans for property developers and stuff and so these are quite common as well just because you get a high interest rate loan it doesn't necessarily mean that 
you know, you're a baddie or whatever. It's like there are, you know, it's quite common for property developers to pay 10, 15, 20% on finance because it's going to be, it's going to bridge them between two two situations where they can get more advantageous finance. And the same thing can happen for individuals as well. So understanding that interest rates are just a factor of risk is is quite important as well. So Yeah, for sure. And I think so with, you know, if you think about generally investment properties, if you think like positive cash flow versus a negatively geared asset, mm. like that in itself, a positive cash flow asset, regardless of how much of the rent ends up being applied to your uh, serviceability moving forward because yep. there's back and forth arguments about that. But generally speaking, having a, an asset that covers its expenses lowers your risk in the eyes of the lender because you are hmm. at least going to be able to cover the repayments regardless of your situation. Yep, um, 100%. So that's kind of how that factors in there. Yeah. Cool. You want to get meaty? I want to get super meaty. I want to get super meaty because one of the because Sweet. one of the one of the one of the implications, right, of of inflation that we talked about last time is that the so let's just recap a little bit. Inflation mm-hmm. is a sign that the economy is going good, right? Yep. But sometimes you can have too much of a good thing, right? And that can actually then start going bad. So the way that so the, firstly, what the government's trying to do is trying to stimulate growth and they're trying to stimulate inflation. But then the natural throttle for inflation, right, is to increase interest rates. And the inverse is also true. So mm-hmm. for example, when the GFC kicked in, it was like interest rates got slashed, right? Because they had to try and stimulate more growth because they were like, oh my God, there's been a break in production. Everything started to collapse. How do we stimulate? We need to stimulate more production. We need to stimulate more economic opportunity and all of this kind of stuff. Let's cut interest rates, bang, right? And that mm-hmm. helps. And so, so the inverse is also true so that when the economy starts to go, not if, you can't pump hundreds of billions of dollars into uh, an economy, you know, there's roughly 200 and 200 odd billion dollars worth of um, uh, quantitative easing getting pumped into the economy and 23 million people do the maths. That's a lot of dollars per person, right? Mm-hmm. Getting pumped into the economy right now. And yeah. so, so you, can't, you can't do that and not have it grow. So the natural implication is that at some point, Interest rates are going to rise now. the The RBA is saying not until twenty twenty four. Some people are saying sooner. The end of the day, no one knows. <laughs> Even if it does go up in twenty twenty four, how much will it go up? Not sure. There's all these kind of things. But given that real estate it isn't or it shouldn't be a short term game. Yes, you're, you're making decisions that are going to make sense in the short term, but you're also going to make decisions that are going to make sense in the long term as well. So you also need to be thinking about, well, well, what happens when interest rates rise? Now, mm-hmm. the argument about how much they rise, who, who knows? That's just pure crystal ball stuff, right? You know, could they rise from could they rise from a cash rate of 0.01 or whatever it is at the moment to to 3% cash rate? Don't know. Is it are we likely to go back up to 17% like it was in the 80s? Uh, it's possible. <laughs> yeah. There's pre- there's precedent, right? It's possible. Likely, I don't think so, but realistically, I think we should expect that at some point in the future, interest rates are going to go up, either by a little bit or by a lot. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a problem. It's, and, and, and that's actually a good thing because that says that the economy is doing well, right? So people shouldn't, again, be like, oh, my God, interest rates are going up this sucks, the world's going to end, it's like, oh, okay, cool. I guess things are going pretty well then, eh? Nice. Mm. 
So that's why I think it's a really interesting thing to 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 really look at and to think about and to go, okay, well, what happens if that happens? For sure. And I think it's, you know, it's just being realistic, right? It's not being people might think about when you're planning for the worst that you're being quite negative or pessimistic or that kind of thing when it's really it's just it's as you like to say um pragmatic optimism yeah 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 Yeah. ruthless ruthless pragmatic optimism it's like okay cool that's likely to happen sweet where's the upside how do we we make the most of it yeah how do we make the most of this yeah yeah so so there's like there's a whole bunch of stuff that um that uh that I want to talk about but I think there's a couple of big fears that a lot of people have it's like well what happens when interest rates rise um how does it affect property prices how does it affect rents what can we you know what and this is again an extension of that conversation of like what happens if we get inflation right this is the extension of that now going back to that conversation there was like the the you know if in an inflationary environment asset prices rise and part of that is because that the relative you know relative value of the dollar goes down and you know it's kind of like all these inverse equations right but mm-hmm. but basically asset prices will go up awesome okay but so so um but then they'll put they'll raise interest rates and then what's that going to do for the property does that mean property markets crash well no not necessarily so i mean i could wax lyrical about this all, all day gabby but i'm interested from your perspective what do you where do you want to where do you want to start is there anything you want to dig into first can we just start with like what in an environment where interest rates go up, right? Increasing, mm. raising interest rates, what yep. generally happens to property prices? That is a very it's a very good question, right? What generally happens to property prices? Because most people think most people think that interest rates affect property prices. Mm-hmm. And whilst there is some evidence to support that, it is not very strong and there is not a lot of it, right? And I've got a bunch of um, – I collected a bunch of stats here to, to support that argument, right? So over the last 30 years, interest rate rises haven't actually resulted in the full and medium house price. So I'm going to go through a few of these because they get really interesting. Sure. So. Rates rose from 14% to 17% in 1988 to 89. And at the same time, the median house price rose by more than 35%. Right? So interest rates went from 14% to 17% and house prices rose by 35%. Crazy. Mm. Then there was a fall in interest rates from 17% to less than 9% uh, between 1990 and 1993. And then that also had barely any change to the median house price right or pretty pretty much did pretty much like no change there was no no noticeable differentiation okay hang on a second so interest rates have gone up prices go up interest rates go down and nothing really happens interesting so then interest rates went up again in 1994 by to by about two percent in a year and then the house price continued to continue to just generally rise not in a in a crazy way but in general you know like six percent a year type type way right um then there was an, in, an increase in interest rates from 6% to 8% in 2000, and it basically didn't have any impact on the property market at all. Like the property prices continued to rise, nothing really changed. There was no even not even any blip in the median, in the median house price um, uh, Bollinger Band. So uh, there was rate, rate increases again between 2003 and 2008, 
um, which basically did nothing. House prices drifted a little bit um, sideways and then continued up and then the GFC hit and then the GFC hit uh, and the RBA made cash rate cuts uh, throughout 2009, um, dropping uh, dropping interest rates by about 3.5% in nine months. Now, at the start of the GFC, um, the median house price fell a little bit, but that was largely because of of fear and you know psych- the psychology of the market. I would suggest rather than not not the fact that interest rates went down. I don't think interest rates going down caused the housing market to go down. I think it was the fact that the whole world was in turmoil and everyone was just mm-hmm. scared. Yep. Um, and then the median house price went up again, and then the interest rates went back up to nearly eight percent by two thousand and eleven. So two thousand eleven, they were nearly eight percent interest rates, and and then it then house the house price just continued to go up and then continued to accelerate and continue to accelerate, right? And so this trend shows that as at best historical facts, um, you know, is that sometimes when interest rates sometimes when interest rates fall, the median house price rises. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. Not always, but sometimes there's 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 some there's some merit to that. Um, but there's less less to suggest that um, the interest rates a rise in interest rates will, will necessitate a fall in prices. In fact, the evidence just does not show that. And what I find most interesting about that analysis is the, the lack of correlation. Like mm. it's the complete lack of correlation. You can draw two light points in the sand and say, hey, what happens to house prices and what happens? But they're not actually linked because there's no consistent pattern, which I find truly, truly intriguing. What do you think? Yeah, because you would think you would think in a general, in a general sense. That you know, supply and demand. So when prices go up, referencing again the last episode we did when we were talking about the paradox of thrift, where when prices go up, more and more people want to get in because it's the cheapest. Mm. That from their perspective, the price that it is today is the cheapest that it's going to be for the foreseeable future. So there is more mm. demand to buy something today. Yeah. So that pushes prices up, right? Because there is more demand than than supply at that point in time. And mm. so that's kind of what happens when when interest rates are low. So like now in the scheme of modern Australian history, interest rates are relatively low. Extremely low, record lows, never ever been lower. Yeah, and so there is a, I would assume, a correlation with the demand for getting mortgages basically at the moment because interest rates are so low because the cost of money is so low. So you would imagine that the inverse would be true where if money is suddenly more expensive and the rate goes up, then there would be a decrease in demand. And so prices may not like drop, but you would imagine they would at least stagnate or slow down a little. But yeah, so there's a couple of interesting <laughs> No, there's a couple of interesting things I'd like to point out there. So so and I'll talk about Sydney, although and I'll talk about Sydney largely because this has been really reported quite a lot lately. Is that how is that the housing market in Sydney is being going bananas, right? Mm-hmm. But that's largely been driven by homeowners, right? Mm-hmm. And that's largely been driven. So even though prices of properties have gone up because interest rates have gone down, home ownership affordability, key keywords there being home ownership affordability, is at an all-time high. Mm-hmm. Right, and so that is why there are more homeowners trying to get into the market, where it's typically in a in a market that's been typically very tough to 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 buy in as a homeowner because of yep. the affordability the affordability side. So, so there's three there's three things that drive property markets more than anything else, right? So there's infrastructure or jo- infrastructure jobs, right? So j- they're wound together. 
affordability and lifestyle, right? And so you've got to look at those fundamental those fundamental characteristics. It's actually not interest rates, right? So interest rates can have an effect on affordability, right? But some but sometimes that impact is negligible. Now in a market like Sydney, the impact was significant enough to co- to cause you know an increase in home buyer demand. And people wanting to upgrade or down downsize and do all kinds of stuff, but that's not the case everywhere, right? And so, mm-hmm. so, so to that to that degree, it's very it's very interesting to to think about the fact that you know the fact that we're in the national boom, you know, property market boom at the moment isn't actually to do with interest rates. It's actually to do with a whole bunch of other extraneous factors. Mm-hmm. It's actually got to do with you know internal migration it's actually got to do with psychographics it's actually got to do with the decentralization of um the industrial and commercial centers because the the cities can't keep up the major capital cities can't keep up with the uh, infrastructure requirements it's got to do with the fact that you know there's you know over 200 billion dollars of of cash sloshing around in the economy over 600 billion dollars of total stimulus since the start of the since the start of the um the COVID-19 uh pandemic you know th- th- these are all the factors that are driving it it's Actually, not interest rates, right? Interest mm-hmm. rates, low interest rates for a property investor is like sweet because that increases cash flow, right? And also actually increases the affordability of getting a loan and the impact of and the impact of your ability to get a loan. So, for example, um, I've got some other numbers here, right? So, if you if if and uh, these are not the numbers now, right? But like if you were to get a four uh, a thirty year fix uh, a thirty year mortgage on a home worth four hundred thousand dollars at four percent interest rate. The monthly repayment would be about nineteen hundred bucks, but for five percent interest rate on the same mortgage, same same property, it would be uh, two thousand one hundred and thirty eight dollars a month. So a one percent increase in interest rates uh, increases the the repayments by thirteen percent, right? Which is pretty mm-hmm. significant. So when you think about that, you're like, oh, bam, okay, it's free money, right? So that's why it's cool. But the 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 impact on the ability to borrow based on the impact of cash flows is where it's really interesting because if using the same context, four hundred thousand dollar mortgage on a four percent interest, um, uh, if you so if you're able to get a four hundred thousand dollar mortgage at four percent interest, if it was at five percent interest, you'd only be able to borrow about three hundred and fifty five thousand, right? So that a one percent increase in interest interest rates could decrease your borrowing power, or your purchasing power by. $45,000, okay? So this is this is what the real impact is. So when interest rates are lower, it does allow people to buy more properties and that's cool. Right? But and it also increases cash flow. However, it's still like it still actually st- statistically doesn't actually make an impact on on property prices. Volume of transactions perhaps. Um, mm. but you've also got more pe- you've got more people buying and you've got more people selling. So th- I think there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff to unpack here, right? Because also, when interest rates go up, rents also go up, right? Which sounds mm. way counterintuitive, right? So, the the thing to remember is if you're a property investor and you're in you're in an inflationary environment, right? Oh, property prices are going up, bazinga! That's awesome. Oh wait, hang on a second. Interest rates start going up. Well, what happens then? Right? Obviously, the cost of debt goes up. Okay, so your cash flow may be depleted. So that can then seem like a bad thing because you might be like, "Oh, hang on a second, I might be able to not be able to afford to hold this." However, home ownership affordability also goes down. Home ownership affordability also goes down, right? Mm-hmm. And so, guess what that means? People more still renters. need a place to live, right? Yeah. So then, there's more renters. 
which actually increases rental demand, right? And not only that, most homeowners or most investors also have more of an inclination to increase their rents because the cost of debt is higher. So they're more hawkishly watching their, watching like, when can we raise rents? When can we raise rents? Right. So, so like, you know, across the board, broadly speaking, you see rents typically get risen a lot more during a high interest rate environment because property investors are trying to conserve, preserve cash flow. And also, there's more rental demand, which puts more pressure, upward pressure on rental prices. Mm-hmm. So you sort of get this situation where if you're in the market, right, you're actually in a good, you're actually in a good position because you're going to have the benefit of, you know, increasing asset prices and also increasing rents. So I actually find it a really because it seems super counterintuitive. You're like, oh my god, interest rates are rising. What a horrible time to be a property investor. It's like, well, not necessarily. Now, mm-hmm. where where it, where it can go where it can go wrong though is is when you've got low yielding properties, right? So that's where it can go really that's where it can go really wrong because the 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 impact of the increase in the cost of debt may not get offset by the increase in the rents, right? And so you may end up with a net negative deficit. Yeah, and you imagine like in that example that you gave before with a 4% interest rate, if that changes by 1%, like it's a 13% increase in your repayment. So if you're mm. negative cash flow... Like that can be, depending on the the loan amount, right? But that can be a really substantial amount to add to your repayments to cover every month. And you're right. Mm. Like in most in most situations, you'd imagine in that kind of a asset, it's harder to then increase rents. Like if you if you've got a property that's renting out for three hundred dollars a week, it's not. Mm. It's difficult to then go. Well, I've got to increase it to four hundred dollars. You can't really do that in most places. You can't jump up that that quickly. Yeah. Um, but the inverse, like the costs, can jump up that quickly. Yeah, yeah, hundred, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. So yeah. there are definitely some impacts, right? So what what it, what it, what it will mean for property investors is that their their ability to get um, debt will decrease, right? Because the cost of debt will increase. Which is actually again why it's important to make sure that you've got higher yielding properties because you'll be able to have you'll be able to offset some of the uh, impact of that using cash flow from your properties. Number one, right? Mm-hmm. Number two, it's going to so it's going to increase the cost of your debt. Number number two, it's going to decrease the amount of debt that you can get. But also, if you're already for the properties you already hold, it's likely to actually create a net benefit across the board. So you sort of go, so I sort of think it kind of balances itself out, right? And then so if you sort of think about it like that, oh, okay, well it's probably going to balance itself out on a on a macro. Then the whole fear around interest rate rises goes away. Now where it really sucks, right? Where where it really pinches is for homeowners, right? Mm. Because homeowners nothing like like if you own your home. And your interest rate goes up by, you know, th- if, the co- if the cost of debt goes up by thirteen percent, I'm pretty certain your wages wouldn't have gone up by thirteen percent. Yeah. Right. And so, so that's where it really bites. That's where it really bites. And that's why, in fact, you know, when interest rates go up, 
less homeowners buy into the market because the affordability is low. So, so you know, I think about my parents. They bought they bought when it was seventeen percent interest rate. They told me about this before, and I'm like, what? That's just insane, mm-hmm. right? And so, so when you're when you when you have non-income producing debt, the impact is much, 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 much more significant, right? And in fact, it, it lends much more credence to the idea of of rent vesting during a, a high interest rate environment because it's like, well. You know, it's probably going to cost you. The impact is going to be lower, and then the impact of, of your your whole financial ecosystem is going to be more advantageously offset because you're going to be able to adjust your the revenues within your properties and be able to adjust your portfolio based on based on the needs and the costs of debt. Um, but you can't do that with your home, like like unless you unless you unless you know if interest if interest rates went up by you know two three or four percent. Uh, you know, I haven't done the math. I haven't done the maths of that. But if one percent is thirteen, if if one percent rise in interest rates is thirteen percent impact on on borrowing, right? So I, I I'd hate to think what four percent rise in interest rate might be, but it's totally possible that there's there's precedence of that happening. Mm-hmm. And if that were to be the case, I would suggest that your 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 uh, income is not going to go up by that much, right? So um, mm-hmm. yeah, so it can good- be a pretty gnarly environment. Um, yeah, I imagine it's a good a good. Not a good situation, but if you were going to do like a debt recycling strategy as well, it would be mm. this kind of environment where you've got this asset that isn't producing any income that is suddenly getting more and more expensive to hold and you can kind of think strategically and do anything you can to get more leverage and more yield out of those assets um, using something like debt recycling. Yeah, hundred percent, absolutely. It actually becomes really, I think, essential, right? Mm. To be able to be able to, to be able to do that. So, um, <clears throat> you know, and I'm just hypothesizing here, but but and I haven't really put any thought into it prior <laughs> to making this statement. But perhaps, you know, perhaps it's more advantageous in a in a high interest environment to to just do interest only, um, so that you can you know pay down your home. And there's probably there's probably mm. maybe. Maybe more benefit in that. I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure about that. But it certainly you certainly have to. You certainly have to rethink how you're approaching your your financial strategy. But the the important the important thing to remember though is is I think there's like a couple of big takeaways here. Interest rates don't affect property prices, right? Like mm-hmm. loads of other factors do, but it's not really interest rates. Interest mm-hmm. rates do affect affordability. Yes, they do affect the amount that you can borrow. Yes, they they potentially impact you know volumes of transactions sure right but they don't necessarily impact property prices right so don't don't get don't get all upset and think oh my god you know prices are going to go up or prices are going to go down what inflation will cause prices to go up an increase in an increase in interest rates will cause rents to go up likely right uh, and it probably won't have any impact on property prices so so it lends a lot of credence to to the idea of being a firstly number one a property investor rather than a homeowner, and secondarily a property investor that focuses on um, positive cash flow as well as growth. I think is a really great way to position yourself, which is fundamentally where, like, you know, when after we made our first property mistake and we started on this journey together, like we, this was the premise on how we started to think about like how could we position ourselves to have the lowest risk possible you know situation so we can make the most amount of money and and have the lowest amount of risk the maximum success and, and lowest risk of failure and and it all kept coming back to this idea that if your properties can produce a positive ca- positive cash flow you're going to be you're going to be positioned to weather pretty much any economic storm uh, and I think this is another credence to that what what else what haven't yeah. we covered that, what haven't we covered that you want to know 
Oh, no, I was just thinking about um, how, like, I think in their particularly this environment, right, rates are particularly low, and they have been for the last few years. And, um, you know, a lot of particularly investors get in thinking, like, they're going to get a yield that kind of just covers that, and they'll, mm. they're happy that they're getting something positive. Um but not really thinking about the positioning of that asset in a location that is actually going to increase in yield over time as the rates increase. And I think it's yeah. like, yes, yield matters, but it's also like the location that you select needs to have a trend towards it is going to further increase in yield alongside interest rates. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think yeah. you touched on a really good point there because because cash flow, but like if you – like the the pure the pure way of um, measuring cash flow is actually not with all the expenses. Like mm-hmm. net operating cash flows um, is the cost of the cost of debt, not cost of expense. Anyway, basically the, the 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 very simple way of thinking about it is does the does the does the rent cover the cost of debt? That's the simplest way of of thinking about it. And a lot of people think about it like that. It's very simple, very, very simple way of thinking about it. It's obviously not true because you have heaps of other costs like rates and property management and stuff. Mm-hmm. But when the interest rates go down, that really lowers the bar, right? And so then all of a sudden you get people going, um, I was talking to I was talking to a guy um, last week, and he's he's bought it. He's got a couple of properties. He's got he's got an apartment and a townhouse, right? So na- naturally, we spoke about that quite a bit because <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. uh, I think he was he was trying to tell <laughs> me how, how how good his investments were. But that's it was we had a good conversation, so I'm not trying to yep. you know they have um, their place. They have their place, <laughs> um, but he, you know his 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 yield was like. He was saying he's got really good yields, and I think one's at like four percent, and one's at like five percent. And mm. and the problem is when interest rates go down, people lower the bar, right? And they go, oh well, you know, four percent is good enough. It's like the, my interest yeah, rate of- is like two and a half percent. So yeah. sure, whatever, right? Yeah, they think about the spread between the the interest rate and the yield, and they're like, yes, yeah, three percent there, we're golden. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly, exactly. Oh, my interest rate's only three percent, and you know, my yield is four percent. Yeah, happy days. Now, mm-hmm. cool, all good. You know, it's maybe a time and a place for for those kind of properties, and all good, happy days. Um, but the problem is, if the interest rates go up to six percent, you know, you're going to find yourself underwater pretty quickly. And mm-hmm. so, and this is this is the this is the kind of pressure test that I don't think a lot of people are doing. And people, put, you know, I know for myself, I don't really remember 2011, right? I don't really remember 2000. I remember the GFC and I remember all the stuff going on. I definitely don't remember interest rates in 2011. Well, apparently they were like 8%, right? Yeah, I don't and remember so, that at all, yeah. And so 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 there's people there's people today that moaning like, "Oh my god, uh, I could only get a 3.2% interest rate. I better shop around more. I better shop around to find a different broker, someone who can get me 0.1 of a percent off." Now, don't get me wrong, it has an impact. Of course it has an impact. But you got to remember as well in in today's environment, it, it's it's literally the best that it's ever been, mm-hmm. and so I think people can get a little bit obsessive about interest rates. Um, what you want to look at is your affordability, your buying power, and all these other all these other factors, right? And if you're buying well, if you're buying good properties that are producing a good yield and they're in a good location where there's going to be ongoing demand and it's going to make sense to hold for the next you know five to thirty years, awesome. 
great, just go and do that. And in fact, what's more important than shopping interest rates is your uh, access to capital is the is the most is the most important thing you can need to focus on is your access to capital. So, yeah, I think a lot of a lot of the time people seem to be splitting hairs. You know, oh, someone's got a two point seven percent interest rate, somebody else got a two point eight percent interest rate. It's like, I mean, if that's gonna if that's the thing that's gonna make or break your your property investment strategy, I think. Yeah, you've basically got a house of cards, right? So, um, yeah, I think that tends to happen with people when, um, you know, they might be further into their investing journey and they're a little too zoomed in on the details because they've got like the macro is worked out. So they're just kind of focusing like, where are these tweaks that I can make? Like, where are the little interest, the rates that I can change along the way? Where can I increase my rents by five bucks a week? That kind of stuff. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But like, you know, I don't know that that's what you're not going to find gold in the weeds, basically, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. So, does that kind of do we do you reckon we tackled this um the topic of interest rates well enough? Was there anything that we didn't cover that we should have covered? Do you think? Um, no, I think I think we did good. I'm I'm really uh, quite interested in the whole that it doesn't really affect property prices. So counterintuitive, isn't a, it? Yeah, I think that's a really interesting takeaway. Yeah, it's really fascinating and it's one of the biggest so there's a lot of big myths in real estate like <laughs> lots loads of them right i'm sure like any industry right you know the myth the myths that you can't get growth and cash flow you, you know you have to do one or the other you know like oh, that's mm-hmm. ridiculous you know the the myth that you know interest rates affect drive property prices you know not true so there's there's all these kind of stuff out there and i really like this one because it's so counterintuitive because you would naturally think but the the evidence just doesn't suggest that. Like if you if you if you if you if you put the the Australian median house price on a chart along with home loan interest rates over the same period, you'll see you'll see you'll see that oh, since the 1980s interest rates have gone down, and you'll also see that property prices have risen. Mm-hmm. And so you'll see that, and it's very easy to draw a distinction from that to say, oh well, therefore interest rates have gone down and property prices have gone up. However, that would be that would be to misinterpret the data because property prices compound and grow over time in line with inflation and, and demand and all of these other factors. And so what you actually need to look at is what are the significant events where you might see a statistical anomaly. And when you there's a lot of opportunities to see statistical anomalies within that data. And and like, you know, when interest rates have risen sharply and literally nothing's happened to, to property prices. Um, so yeah, I think it's a really fascinating takeaway. Do you think there's any like correlation, if not causation, between like the the inverse of that? So like when property prices are going too high, that interest rates actually end up getting dropped as a as a result of property prices going too high. So instead of the other way around, where interest rates go up, so then it causes a resulting like flattening or decrease in prices, which there doesn't seem to be a correlation with. There's there's no correlation. So so mm-hmm. from from a government perspective, when they need to put the brakes on house prices, mm-hmm. it won't be um it won't be interest rates. That's not the lever that they pull. What they do is the is APRA, the Australian Prudential Regulation Authority puts um, better controls or stricter controls on lending policy. Diff- t- yeah, totally interesting. Di- 
Yeah. It's a totally different, it's a totally different lever. And in fact, Philip Lowe has openly said that he's said that his job has got nothing to do with property prices, right? And if property prices start to get too carried away, it's APRA's job to deal with that. And APRA have said, well, we're not actually that worried about it because property prices aren't even, you know, really doing anything crazy. So it's all good. And there's no risk. There's doesn't look like there's high risk lending or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So if they want to put the brakes on property prices, it'll be through lending policy. That's interesting. Yeah, cool. Sweet. Sweet. Okay, guys. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and I'd love to know your key takeaways from it. So send us an email, hello at dash.com.au. And as ever, we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. See ya. Bye.